One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how the devil are you today? How do you like me now, Chris Broad? What a terrible start to a show. It's a Sunday for the very first time in the longest time. I think this is the first time we've recorded a show on the day it actually goes out. Is that fair to say? It's Sunday, it's Sunday it? today. It's Sunday. You don't know where you are, do you, Chris? You have spent <laughs> the last few hours down in mine, uh, picking up as many <laughs> bits of rock as you possibly can. Incredible work. Yes, I've been down in a mine filming a video. I've got my 8K <laughs> camera finally, and I thought it's time to use it, time to put it, time to put it to good use. And uh, <laughs> yeah, where I live, there's like an abandoned mining town that I've mm. always wanted to visit, but didn't know what to do with the town. Uh, so I got the camera and I got my friend Quinlan uh, from Go North Japan. You might have heard of him or not, but he goes around mountains uh, filming himself climbing mountains. And I enlisted him to be my model. Uh, and so we walked around the mines and he knows them quite well because he always goes there. And he sort of escorted me around and I made this sort of like cinematic video of him exploring the mines like a sort of <laughs> Indiana Jones figure. Um, it was quite fun. There was a lot of rain, though. It was very damp, and there was a lot of asbestos, like a lot of asbestos. Oh. What, what, was, what was the asbestos doing down there? Just, Just a lot of signs saying, don't come in here, there's asbestos. Well, you could see it, like, because the, the, the mining town was built in, like, the, I think, 1950s or something. Right. Um, like, you could see all this, like, fluffy, rather dodgy-looking material that definitely was oh, asbestos. Dude, and it used to be, be quite popular. As a material, right? It did, in yeah, Japan it used to be like uh, we used to not have snow in Britain. We used to have asbestos. We used to throw asbestos <laughs> balls at each other. It was really fun. It was a simpler time, a better time, it was a simpler time. Yeah, but it was it was fun. But it was quite daunting because um, just yesterday there was the magnitude seven earthquake. Another one. There's, mm. there's so many bloody earthquakes at the moment, and so probably not a good idea to go to a dilapidated, abandoned town where the whole buildings were falling down just mm. 24 hours after a relatively large earthquake. Uh, you didn't go in, you, into any of the mines themselves, or did you? you didn't actually go clambering within the collapsed mines. <laughs> I'm not as <laughs> bold earthquake. as you, Pete. I'm not as bold as no. you. I, I didn't go into the mines. But to be fair, the buildings are pretty dicey because they're up on a mountain about 1,000 metres high, and yeah. the snow there is about 10 to 15 metres. Um, right. So at one point we were clambering over the snow, and then I think 
I just, like my foot just went my entire foot mm. up to my waist I went like into the snow and it was really quite scary and more worryingly the um, the area doesn't have any phone signal um which was pretty daunting like it was really yeah, like Quinlan's led you astray Chris this is like the start of like a an episode of <laughs> ER or casualty to the British listeners <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something rather some more kids, sinister. Some casualty play, they, al- <laughs> they always say, like, you know, you shouldn't be playing in mines, you shouldn't be playing in quarries, <laughs> and you're doing both, just hanging out after an earthquake in the snow. Awful business. But in 8K, Pete, in glorious 8K. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, it. you buy yourself a new 8K camera and you're really pleased about it, you're really pleased with yourself, etc., etc. Yada, yada, yada. You're a bunch of cameras, seen another one come in and, and, and they've palmed off for that. <laughs> and you've, um, and then suddenly you, you are taking it to one of the most difficult, dustiest, snowiest possible places you could go to. You're going to break the camera, Chris. Be careful. I nearly did at one point because I stuck it on a gimbal, right? And I bloody hate gimbals. But if you need mm. like a kind of a cinematic look to it. You need to put a camera on a gimbal. And right. at one point, like, it nearly just fell off and smashed this brand new camera. But <laughs> it's still intact. The good news is it's still intact. It's a nice camera. It looks great. But I've noticed the difference between 4K and 8K, you can't see it. Well, there's, there's no difference. You can't see the difference. <laughs> no, so really why did I get it? Um, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I guess the only good thing I got it for is with the upcoming series of Journey Across Japan, because there's Joey and Natsuki and myself in the frame at any one time. Yeah. We can kind of like have the camera on a wide angle and then punch into our faces if we need to as a close-up mm. and just use the same camera, right? Just zoom in digitally. Mm. So that's why I bought it and to film a mine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that video, I mean, <laughs> it'll be good. And it's I mean, coming out soon. Uh, so. Does that not make your whole workflow uh, take 10 times as long? Or twice yeah. as long, in fact, than your 4K. It just takes I'd... a longer to get you, get all of the files off the off the discs and stuff. <laughs> the file size isn't too bad, but yeah, the pro- like processing 8K, the whole computer yeah. just sort of suddenly sounds like a Boeing 747. It's like... Let's talk uh, codex, Chris. What's your, um, what's your codec of choice when it comes to 8K? Are you a ProRes LT? 422? No, what we talking? H265. Boring. H265. ProRes. What do you think I am? <laughs> It's not a film. It's not a film. But, uh, yeah, no, it should be good. It's coming out soon. you got that to look forward to. And uh, and thank you to all of you guys for asking if I was okay after the earthquake. It, all is well. It wasn't as bad as the one last month, thankfully. Uh, uh, but, again, it was I, really I, close I, to um, Onigawa, where we went, the abandoned town, the, um, sorry, the town which got uh, destroyed by the tsunami. It's always in that neck of the woods. Yeah. It's really quite weird, chilling. isn't it? There must be yeah. some kind of weird fault in in, in that uh, part of, of of the ground mm. of the terra firma. But the, um, I was enjoying, um, I, I finally got round to watching the Joy the Anime Man uh, and the rest of that that rabble. Um, their um, <laughs> their uh, drifting videos. I'd not seen that, you see. They're oh, really? about Trash Taste Podcast Live mm, when they go and mm. do drifting. Um you were obviously helping them film, uh, and at certain points you can be spotted in the background of cars going, oh, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> you, you you looked very pleased to be not that involved in that particular project, only as a cameraman. Very enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, I think their producer, Maylene, was really kindly offered to let me do it, to go drifting, but I was like, no, I don't want to do it. I would have been the best, because I, I think I've driven more than all of them, because I drive a lot, and I love driving when I'm not right. getting pulled over do or fined for speeding. And yeah, I love driving manual as well. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love manual, but um, yeah, I I figured I'd let them get on with it. Threes, threes already a lot. Fours a crowd, and (laughs) it was a lot more fun. Like flying the drone, Uh, like Mm. they raced towards the drone. I moved out the way, and I was trying to 
I don't know, try not to crash the drone. But it's a lot of fun, yeah, yeah. working on the, the Trash Taste Drift special. It was, it was good. Cracking. And actually, sadly, well, the um, Ebisu circuit where they filmed that and where I filmed my uh, drift video with Riotaro a year ago, there was a there was a landslide there recently and the whole place has to be shut for a year. Like millions uh, of like tons of rocks just spilled out across the racetrack and uh, destroyed a few buildings. So uh, well, it looks like it's on. It no looks drifting. like it's on the side of a mountain, doesn't it? Because obviously, it is, um, like, because it looks like if you took one of the corners at speed and didn't really correct your uh, your steering, <laughs> you'd be just over the horizon. You'd be never seen again. <laughs> Broad in a body bag, by all accounts. Yeah. It, exactly. uh, <laughs> It's uh, yeah no you've got to be careful there and I don't know this landslide there was a lot of rain and like a mountain just collapsed onto Ebisu Circuit unfortunately oh, so uh, hopefully apparently it's not going to be open for the rest of the year so hopefully they can fix that and uh, excavate mm. the racetrack because it is an amazing place really quite an amazing place um, yeah. we got a story this week Rob from Munich says hello Chris and Pete four years ago I went to Japan on a work and travel visa my first job was in a small hostel in downtown. Hiroshima, uh, not far from the Peace Memorial Park. Uh, Hiroshima was an incredible place to live and working with travellers from all around the world was an absolute blast. And yet I soon started to feel lonely and somewhat taken advantage of because uh, there were never more than one employee on shift. The work was exhausting and the pay was really bad. The only locals I managed to befriend were a couple of office workers who visited the hostel every now and then to practice speaking English with the guests. When I eventually confided to that lovely group of dapper salarymen that I considered leaving the hostel because I felt kind of exploited, one of them who sold high-end ovens uh, had tried to cheer me up with a story that has stuck with me ever since. He explained that everybody in Japan feels exploited. Nobody ever feels like they truly get exactly what they deserve. So whenever he feels depressed, he took solace in the undisputed knowledge that life sucks for everyone. A wave of sorrowful... A wave of sorrowful nodding went through the room and his heartfelt pep talk was concluded. His deeply disturbing (laughs) speech failed to make me feel any better at the time, but it surely gave me a lot to think about. Acknowledging the equalising pain of existence did in fact help me connect with a few more people later on who were pleasantly surprised by that level of understanding from a foreigner. Didn't work on everyone, but when it worked, it worked. Now, did I just happen to meet a bunch of woeful weirdos or is this way uh, of thinking... An actual common thing in Japan. Have you ever come across this unsettling reasoning? Is Japan truly being held together by the thought that your pain is meaningless because everybody suffers equally and no one gets to be happy? To end on a high note, I did cheer up soon after and continued having an amazing time in Japan that I'll always hold dear to my heart. My dream is to return one day and cycle across the Shimanami Kaido uh, in the Inland Sea. Uh, But for now, guys, sincerely, all the best. Rob from Munich. Oh, dear. What do we make of that? Pete, weirdos or philosophers? What a heartbreaking story. Yeah, you sort of like, I guess, I mean, we've spoken before about how, no, you know, work is a, is a very unique, uh, it's it's performing in a very unique way in Japan in that people just work ridiculously long hours and um, are underpaid and are quite miserable. Mm. But this is just like, it's like a JRPG, like a side character just sort of going, <laughs> yeah, I'm really depressed. Like, you know, you sort of meet those guys on video games and they're like, having a terrible time and you try and cheer them up by, you know, performing a quest for them. It just sounds like <laughs> a whole room of them, of these kind of side quest people. Oh dear. That's so sad. I mean, I don't know how I feel about taking powerful life philosophy from a man who sells high end ovens for a living. <laughs> um, I mean, I, lo- I'm, I love an oven as much as the next person, but uh, I, you know, I feel like if you're in a career you don't enjoy, get another one. Start, 
doing the kind of the not process. Not as easy as that, though, is it? It's not, not easy, as easy as that. It's not as People easy as that. People have responsibilities. But you, can, but you can start making that kind of career change over a period of years, right? You don't just wake up and be like, I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be a lawyer. You know, it takes time to get there. I mean, I, mm. I used to work in an office, which I hated, and people there were like just expected to just live there and work there for 40 years, retire, and then die. And I was like, there's got to be more than this, guys. <laughs> and they used to laugh at me when I would like take out my – I'd go and sit in my car on lunch break and read books about business and filmmaking. They'd be like, nonsense, get back in those Excel spreadsheets. So I don't know. I feel like you can, you can change a career. I know it's more difficult in Japan, though. It is more difficult. And – I have had this chat with Natsuki. I don't know if everybody feels miserable. Like Ryotaro loves what he does, and my good friend Yuki loves what he does. Natsuki does. They've got enjoy very unique jobs, haven't they? Yuki and Natsuki, mm. uh, Yuki and Ryotaro, they've got very unique jobs. Natsuki runs his own business. He's tethered to one particular place, and he's the you know the yes. last. He's the one-stop shop for everyone, isn't he? Like if the something goes wrong, shop. it's down to him, effectively, isn't it? <laughs> one stop shop for everyone. One stop shop for everyone. Yeah, he's a, everyone looks to Natsuki when things go wrong in the shop, and he's got he's got all that responsibility, the weight of responsibility, the weight of the family. Oh. I mean, I, d- I don't know. He does. I don't know. He does have that much responsibility. <laughs> what I do know is he doesn't. He's not very happy with his life. Um, it gets mm. very repetitive, and we, you know, he's he's always trying to find ways out of it, which is why he sells his uh, bizarrely branded shampoo and hand spray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think a lot of people in Japan have that mindset of this is the way it is and there's not much I can do about it. Like entrepreneurship mm. is still in its early stages here compared to like the US, you know, where people are much more willing to try and fail and, uh, and even in the UK. But I think in Japan, people are just, there's a lot of pressure to do those things, which is a shame. And also like good ideas just don't um, happen quickly, I suppose. Good ideas aren't received mm. gladly by people. If you have an idea in your business, um, the satisfaction in a, in a job is always kind of, you know, doing something differently or, or, or coming up with a solution to a problem that's existed for ages mm-hmm. or a problem that people didn't really identify at the time. But the problem with Japanese businesses frequently, from what I've been hearing, is that that um, people will do anything not to do something different they will just have a million meetings about uh possibly changing the situation uh to to, to benefit mm. themselves and then just go back to the way it's always been done because that's just the way it's always been done and it's easier to sort of say no to something than it is to say yes absolutely absolutely i and that's why i always say to like friends coming to live and work in japan be very careful where you work you know try and find either a job run by a foreign company or by a kind, mm. understanding Japanese person, you know, who doesn't go by the old way of doing things. He's a bit more progressive, shall we say. Um, mm. Speaking of good ideas, I'll tell you what isn't a good idea. What the Tokyo Olympic official uh, this week did or, can, or offered forward as an idea for the Olympics. Um, there's a bit of a scandal this week, again about the Olympics. I swear every week there's a scandal <laughs> about the Olympics because someone, some 60 to 70-year-old man who's probably shouldn't be doing what he's doing is running the olympics into the ground with some stupid comments and uh mm. what do we have a few weeks ago the head of the olympics uh said women quit. shouldn't uh, yeah w- uh, so women shouldn't hers. be on the board because it takes yeah. too long to have a conversation with them etc etc oh. that's right the, the guy yeah. he said women are rubbish and they shouldn't be they should be seen not heard basically uh, mm. i've got another one this week um another powerful t- tokyo olympic official has uh has lost his job uh, after <laughs> I don't even really understand what the set this scandal is because it's so ridiculous. I thought it was like an April Fool's, 
right? One of Japan's biggest celebrities is Naomi Watanabe. She's a comedian. She has all sorts of stuff. She's pretty funny, and um, but she's sort of a plus size model, and that's where the problem lies here because uh, Sasaki Hiroshi, one of the uh, the creative director of the Tokyo Olympic Games, said <laughs> suggested at a meeting that Naomi Watanabe should be dressed up as an Olympic. And she should wear the ears of a pig and be dangled from a ceiling or something uh, or just be shown at the opening Olympic ceremony as a pig. And I don't really understand. Was that a flippant remark he made that he thought everyone would just go, oh, yeah? Or was it actually a serious suggestion to dress up one of Japan's biggest celebrities as a pig? I don't know. But he's, he's lost his job. And it's another another nail in the coffin for the <laughs> bloody... Tokyo Olympics like this is the problem if the coronavirus had never happened right and the Olympics had gone ahead last year half of these scandals wouldn't have happened because they wouldn't have mm. had an extra year for all these <laughs> officials to keep fucking up with stupid comments like I'm for, losing my patience country, with it all for, for a country with no old for a country with no white men in it they do a very good impression of all white men don't they <laughs> the people who are in charge of Japan they're just very just just very old stinky white men kind of opinions and jokes it's much and, no it's and, much worse than that it's much worse because <laughs> they got the whole kind of misogynistic component thrown in there yeah right? exactly well that's what all white men do they're misogynistic how dare you they're I'm e- not misogynistic extremely... <laughs> I'm a lovely young man <laughs> you're a young man that's why um, but yeah it's uh, yeah just I mean just ridiculous and and it and it uh, I mean I think in that particular was it a WhatsApp group or something or a Discord or something rather than the conversation and he tapped out mm. that little gag um, thinking he was going to get uh, some guffaws uh, <laughs> but to uh, the credit of the room they told him to fuck off. Just, it's, it's, it's a Nigel Farage normal. style joke, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, so yeah, interesting. So it will, uh, but apparently um, apparently the Tokyo Olympics are going to take place, but there will be no. Uh, there'll be no international guests, no international um, viewers mm. of it, which is quite sad. And that is, yeah, that's another big news story this week. The uh, no, yeah, no foreigners are allowed to come and see the Olympics, um, mm. which is sad. I mean, for me, I, I, I've just kind of assumed they weren't going to happen, so I'm surprised this sort of zombified Olympic ceremony is now going to happen i don't mm. think i've met a single japanese person the last 12 months who said yeah let's have the olympics none of them want it none of them care it's dead yeah. like the whole the whole point of the olympics is it's about you know getting people over here to come and see japan experience how mm. great the country is and whatnot and uh that's not happening now and that's why people want the bit that's why people make the bid isn't it to, to host exactly, world cups yeah. and olympics because it makes them a hell of a lot of money I mean, the the idea that they wouldn't delay it further to allow people in it seems, um, especially because nowadays you do have kind of rapid, you, you do have tests, you do have like rapid tests you can you can do, and and they're pretty good at kind of spotting this and that. I mean, obviously you have got the variant uh, variable as well, but it just seems like if they'd moved it possibly later this year, later this year or earlier next year, they could they could have had one where everybody attends. I mean, I don't know whether they're going to be just allowing Japanese people in, but that would seem like a slight unfair advantage for the uh, for the Japanese competitors, no? I feel like they should just move all the Olympics back. I, I don't know where the next one is. I feel it's in France. I'm not sure, but mm. they should just like shift all the Olympics back four years, whatever, yeah. and let Japan still have it. Because Japan spent so much money on infrastructure mm. and hotels and roads and whatnot. And the only good thing to come out of all this is in the lot since the since Japan won the Olympic bid and whatnot to now, you know, over the last eight years, the whole time I've been here, the, the, I moved here literally the year that they, they won the bid. 
the country's seen a lot of changes, a lot of good changes for tourists in particular. There's a lot more English everywhere, so you can get around and mm. a lot more easy to travel around the country as a, as a foreign tourist. So that's great. So that's something good to come out of it. But yeah, I feel it's, I still feel it's quite unfair that after all this, it's just going to be this zombified, not overly great games. I don't know. Maybe it mm. will be good. Maybe it will be wonderful unless someone else on the Olympic Committee says something stupid, <laughs> racist. Still time. There's still, still time, time for another hammer, <laughs> another nail to be hammered into the coffin of the Tokyo Olympics. But uh, yeah, Naomi Watanabe did, uh, did come back and sort of say, I'm really confused. I don't understand what this is all about. Oh, this is the first I've heard about it. I wish people would be more accepting of um, of us as individuals or something along those lines. So she didn't seem to be angry, just a bit disappointed and mostly confused, uh, mm. to be honest. So uh, from what I understand, she's moving to New York this year. So hopefully she won't have to put up with uh, folks like Hiroshi Sasaki anymore going forward. But uh, yeah, Olympic. Magic. Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. And another news story this week is... For travellers entering Japan, you now have to install three apps on your smartphone before leaving the airport. Uh, you've got the app of the Ministry of Health, Labour and Welfare, the uh, the COVID-19 contact tracing app. You've got to install Skype and you've got to install the OSSMA uh, location confirmation app. So three apps there. <laughs> I think they've, you've got Skype on there because they, they need to call you, right? Need to, they'll often need to... Um, call you up and check that you're in quarantine because there is a 14 day <laughs> quarantine period <laughs> what well, have you like, answer what have you like having to sleep oh lordy well just, not everyone sleeps through their phone calls pete well, you <laughs> <might>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like a lot of people i think i've heard of people like because obviously your phone can be tracked a lot of people go to the hotel just leave their phone there whatnot and then just walk off and break the quarantine mm. i've heard that happening so that's right. why you need skype on there just to to ring them up but it's a little bit inconvenient and rather worryingly, if you don't have a phone that is good enough for all three of these apps, and I don't know if such a phone exists unless you're using a Nokia 3310 or something, uh, <laughs> you've got to actually acquire or rent a smartphone that can have these three apps on before you're allowed to sort of venture off around Japan. But it seems like a weird thing given that no one's allowed into Japan at the moment. So I don't mm. know how long this is going to happen or how long it's going to go on for. And it seems redundant, given that a lot of people yeah, are going to have vaccines soon. Yeah, like it just, yeah, it just seems like so. Th- this isn't for holiday makers or tourists because you know mm. no one's going to fly into have two weeks in in quarantine and then you know another week somewhere else and then leave. Um, so that's going to be a, a weird situation. Yeah, it just sounds like people who are meant to be um, are just returning from from work abroad or something, I suppose. Mm. But mm. It just, again, by the time this all kind of shakes out, you imagine that the the, the, the vaccines will be in for a lot of countries certainly developed nations anyway so it's gonna be interesting you've had yours now right you finally got your vaccine I had, yeah i had mine because i was whinging about like uh because i thought i'd get mine because of my asthma um but uh last thursday they uh because I, I get regular uh you know steroid stuff morning and night for, for my asthma it's uh mm. pretty pretty heavy ass heavy heavy duty asthma but i um i just got a text and do you want to go and get your covid i was like yes brilliant <laughs> um ran down uh, and i had to go to westminster abbey 
really? I hadn't changed my doctors. I hadn't changed my doctors from Soho. Now I live out in the sticks. I was like, oh crap, I'm going to have to go to, um, I think it was either like a cricket club or Westminster Abbey. And I was like, <laughs> let's do Westminster Abbey. That's pretty money for my money. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, I had the, uh, I made a joke off there, the Nescafe Azera. I had the Nescafe Azera, uh, vaccine. It was very good, very affordable. Um, I had the AstraZeneca and, uh, whoa, geez, I, um, I was surprised that my body mounted some some sort of fight back. Uh, felt a little shaky, a little bit rough the next day. So it's a really? bit like a hangover, a little bit like a like a like a nasty hangover. But wow. uh, feel fine now. But yeah, oh, it did. I was surprised how much my body reacted. I think as you get older, it reacts to vaccines less because your um, mm. because your immune system isn't quite as powerful. But luckily. For me, I think that my immune system is still doing something at 39. So, um, it, yeah, it really did uh, kick the shit out of me for about a day. So. That's a little bit worrying because <laughs> all my family have had the uh, the vaccine and they've not had anything mm. like that. And they're considerably no, exactly. older well, They're you. a bit older, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. So they're a bit older. It's, um, you, you've, your immune system. That's why I guess the, the whole thing is more dangerous to people like that because their immune system can't fight it off. So, yeah. Weird. Fair point, yeah. Weird. Point. Well, at least you got it. At least, hopefully, when yeah. the door's open, you could be f- at the front of the queue, right? To get oh, down the mine shaft. My, my left get down arm. the mine shaft. <laughs> down that mine. You know me. I love an abandoned building, Chris. In Big 8K. fan of that. Biz- Big fan of that. PD we'll on the 8K. We'll make it happen. <laughs> uh, we're going to turn to the fax machine in a moment. First, a quick break. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stresses. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension, so you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. 
So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. This week at Sukarnov. Over on My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson, comedy legend Ian Stone is choosing what he'd put on his list of personal wonders of the world. Along the way, he tells the story of the first time he ever did stand-up, and it wasn't exactly by choice. My friends, who um, unbelievably remained my friends after this, uh, put me down secretly for the open mic spot. I mean, I went on. I actually, I didn't know what to say. I stood there. I'd never been on a stage before. Well, actually, I'd done a school play once, but I, I was playing... Uh, I was some biblical thing. I can't even remember, but... Um, you see, I was... went into your I Am Joseph. Yeah. Uh, is there room in your inn routine? Give me my coloured coat. Yeah, that didn't work. Meanwhile, these self-care club ladies are keen to figure out why so many women often find themselves saying sorry for just about anything. I think that it is such a fine line between over-apologising unnecessarily and actually standing up and saying, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry if you've been uncomfortable in any way that's been caused by me. And I think that's a sign of strength, isn't it? To be able to apologise for yourself, but not at the cost of your self-esteem. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. And we're back. What have we got in the fax machine this week, Mr Donaldson? Uh, we got a message from Gavin from Ohio. Thank you very much, Gavin. Uh, and it is the morning where I am, so Ohio to you. Hey, Chris and Pete. I'm not sure if you guys have been asked this before, since I'm fairly new to the Bronze Band Cinematic Universe, but I've been trying my best to watch these loads of videos and podcasts I've been missing out in all, all of these yet. I've been trying to watch all of the videos and podcasts I've been missing out on all these years. Oh, Anyways... My question. <laughs> it's, not it's not. It's not. It's a. It's a couple of glasses of uh, of, of of Lambrusco last night and uh, oh a heavy Chinese um, and eating Chinese for breakfast. Don't do it, kids. Oh God. It will ruin your day. Um, disgrace. My question to you boys today is: When and where is it okay to wear a kimono? My girlfriend and I would love to go to Japan someday and attend a festival and wear them, but I'm very worried uh, if we would get stares or worse, the dreaded label of uh, cultural appropriation. I've watched a, a few videos on the topic, but none seem to go into the detail on the festival's events and if you would receive backlash for wearing them in the first place hmm. uh, thanks again gavin from ohio yeah i mean they're not i mean the japanese invariably are quite positive about people getting involved uh, in their culture i think we, we've spoken about this before haven't we about um like uh, people co-opting stuff like hello kitty and harajuku <laughs> girls apart from the whole kind of asian uh, young asian woman as uh, kind of a a dull kind of side of things. Um, invariably, I don't think uh, people are that asked about low culture being used. Kimonos probably a bit of a different thing. I, I know there was a big um, problem with uh, Kim Kardashian making her um, clothing line. Was it like kind of like stomach? It was like kind yeah, of tummies, like tummy tummy pants or something. Well, yeah, she, she remember. I think it was a year ago or two, and mm. Kim Kardashian really wants to release a kind of Spanx style underwear mm. thing. I don't know. It was like these tight clothes and called them the kimono brand. And I, I mean, I, I, the whole cultural appropriation thing, I haven't really got many opinions on it, but I, I felt quite bad about that. And a lot of Japanese women, I think were disappointed that, you know, if that had gone ahead, right. A lot of people don't know what a kimono mm. is outside Japan. And 
imagine after a few years of Kim Kardashian's kimono brand uh, growing and being successful like it inevitably would, given that those people like her stuff for some reason, people would think, oh, kimono, yeah, it's those underwear that Kim Kardashian sell. It's not, it wouldn't necessarily be associated mm. with this beautiful Japanese silk gown. Mm. Um, it, it would be Kim Kardashian's clothes. So luckily she abandoned that idea, which I think was good. Um, but no, I don't think you've got to worry about wearing a kimono in Japan. I think a lot of places do kind of sell it um, and let you rent them. For example, mm. for example, in Kyoto, when you walk around, you see a lot of foreign tourists wearing a kimono uh, just because it feels kind of nice. It feels kind of authentic. Uh, I, I've, worn them to like festivals and for certain videos. I, I I don't like kimonos for the simple reason that it doesn't look good on me. It doesn't look flattering. <laughs> I, my waistline doesn't look good in a kimono. I look like an overweight samurai who's had a bit too much chicken. So I don't, I don't normally <laughs> like wearing them. So, But if you want to kind of have the experience of a kimono without splashing big on the bank, then you, when you go into a traditional Japanese inn, you get a yukata, right? which is kind of the same. It's like a mm. cheap kind of kimono. It's like a traditional Japanese bit of clothing, but it's not made of pure silk and it doesn't cost $5,000, which is like what a kimono costs. So that's another <laughs> point. If you do rent a kimono, don't spill any coffee down it because they're bloody expensive. Like I met someone who spent like 20 grand on their kimono once. Good Lord. Yeah. That's amazing. It's bonkers. But <laughs> you should get one. It would go well with your sword. Well, look, it would complete the picture, wouldn't it? It would square the pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah not 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 ideal. Yeah, I, I'm not going to speak for how uh, uh, Asian Asian people would would find um, somebody adopting their clothing as uh, how, how offensive they would find it. But uh, from my experience, um, Japanese people seem broadly positive to anyone getting involved in in Japanese culture, and they don't seem to have quite so much uh quite so many problems w- with it but again i'm only speaking from my experience from what i've seen i've never put one on Have again doesn't doesn't suit me I've, I've worn one of those yukata things but uh in in like a in a, in a hotel but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, again it's not a good it just seems a little too loosey-goosey it seems a little <laughs> bit too uh like uh, if a strong gust um blows it up you everyone's gonna well, see yeah. your um your crown jewels so there you go Get a kimono on, go down the mine. That could be a photo shoot. That would be a really good photo shoot. When you come here, 8K, get down the mine, wearing a kimono, waving the sword around. It'd be like a post-apocalyptic kind of photo shoot that I'd really I get lo- I love that... I love that um, you've just come from the mine, and to, and the then mine. now you're doing a podcast. Like this is for me. I've just kind of got up for you. You've been down the mine all day, and you've come straight from the mine to do this, and you've not had a <laughs> bath yet. Um, so we're, we're currently speaking to Chris as he's filthed up by a dirty old mine, <laughs> covered in mud, dirt, and yeah. asbestos. Oh, I mate. can't wait to get in that bath. It's going to be glorious. <laughs> I did, to be fair, I did think about doing the podcast in the bath, but I think that's a little bit too far, even by my standards. Sexy. Well, the acoustics I've, wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. It the wouldn't acoustics work. wouldn't work, mate. We've got a, a question from uh, Ole. Ole. Um, I think it's spelled O-L-E, and they've said good luck with the pronunciation in brackets after it. So, Ole. Would it, would it, would it be uh, Ole? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, like uh, oh. the Manchester United manager. It would. He's from uh, yeah. that neck of the woods, isn't he? So, Your football knowledge, it comes in handy many occasions. <laughs> uh, Ole says, hello, Chris and Pete. My name's Ole. Good luck with the pronunciation. And I'm a 20-year-old guy <laughs> from Norway. I'm moving to Tampere in Finland in August to study. And similarly to Japan, the expectations and public perceptions of the country is pretty different 
than how it actually is to live and go on vacations here. Uh, For example, people think Finland's a very grey and boring place with shy people, when in reality the the cities are so vibrant and colourful and the people aren't afraid to stand out with dyed hair and fashion. What are the biggest differences from people's perception of life in Japan to how it actually is? And have you had the same experience with any other country? P.S. You asked in the last episode how to get a katana (laughs) through customs or an airport. There you go, Pete. This is relevant for you. (laughs) And my ex's father had a clever and very specific solution to this problem. When living in Korea, he bought a sword made by monks, supposedly, supposedly, uh, (laughs) to get it to his home in Norway. He sent it to himself, knowing that the police would confiscate it. But since his brother was a higher up in the Norwegian police force, he just got him to confiscate it and give it to him when he came home. (laughs) Love you. (laughs) Love your podcasts. Ole. Corrupt Ole. Jeez. I mean, the system works, doesn't it? <laughs> How would he locate that particular um, delivery? That's amazing. Well done, I mean, him. What's, I love that's the way the, that's, that is the solution for getting your sword into your country. <laughs> Have a family member who, who's willing to Import commit it illegally, corruption yeah. in the police force to get it back for you. <laughs> uh, fair play to you. That's, that's great, though. Um, that's a good question, though. <laughs> Biggest different, difference from people's perception of life in Japan to how it actually is. Any thoughts Mm. on that, Pete? You've been here 200 times. How is it different (laughs) to what you think it is? Uh, um, Yeah, it's a tech thing, isn't it? Like People are obsessed with the tech being very um, future-forward, future-facing. But when you get there, it's like, this is a bit backwards. (laughs) It's it's just a lot of forms to fill out. And, you know, like you might see the odd robot at the front of a shop. But, yeah, they seem very obsessed. I I think the thing that I, I, I think they were... I didn't sort of understand the the boozing culture. I didn't understand the uh, the the hedonistic side of things. Um, even I, I thought I've had them down as like quite hard working, um, but I didn't realise how hard and how uh, into stuff they were. You know what I mean? Like mm. you go out on a night out and people are into reggae or rap or rock music or punk or uh, I don't know the cha cha slide. But you can't be just <laughs> into the cha cha slide. You've got to be like properly into the cha cha slide. You've got I know everything about the cha-cha slide. It's weird. I love it. <laughs> so obsession, obsession with things, right? Yeah. Obs- yeah. Yeah. I love that. I guess, I mean, yeah, the tech thing, you know how bad it is when you arrive at like Narita Airport for the first time and the immigration form is like never ending. You've got to fill out like five different documents. I remember when I went to, I think Canada, I just like scanned my passport and a magical door opened. I was in Canada, in Montreal, <laughs> yeah. seeing my family. It was magic. No forms there. So, yeah, I guess that's one thing. Um, and the architecture. I think the architecture, I was talking to someone today about the architecture in Japan, and I realised that it's really not that nice, most Japanese towns or cities. like The, the image I had is the beautiful sort of uh, Kawada roof tile houses, right? You know, the mm. iconic Japanese buildings have these beautiful roof tiles on houses and castles and whatnot. They're, they're becoming rarer and rarer. I think only 50% of houses have them these days. Most houses are these kind of tacky balsa wood designs that are really cheap and rubbish and they're bulldozed after 20, 30 years. And just a lot of cities here look really quite ugly, especially in a bad day when it's raining like it is today. So mm. yeah, I'd say, yeah, architecturally, Outside of big cities like Tokyo with the shiny skyscrapers and whatnot, a lot of towns in Japan look the same and they do look Mm. a bit bland. And that's quite unfortunate. Unless you go to somewhere historic like Kyoto or Kanazawa, uh, cities that have sort of a historical bit. But even then, like those cities have like historical quarters. Most of the city 
most of those cities are kind of just like, you know, bland apartment blocks mm. and whatnot. It's a real shame. I just feel like it's all a bit utilitarian, right? Let's just make yeah. the apartment block that we can for the cheapest amount of money and whatnot and not care. Um, you might argue that it's to do with earthquakes, but I don't think it's that a lot of the time. You can still make a relatively nice looking building that's earthquake proof. I think it just, it's just the way it is. You know, people don't want to spend big on architecture here and that's unfortunate. Mm. So yeah, it's not as nice as you think it is architecturally. Would you agree with that or am I, am I No, am I, I would agree with that. It, it, it's quite samey and, and, and they, I think uh, the way that, uh, I think the Japanese authorities, I don't know whether, I, I don't know why this is, but they're very happy to uh, just bulldoze and break down and build up. Uh, they have very little sentimentality. I can't, I, you know, I can't imagine. We, we'd sort of grade two list a building if it was like 80 years old or something. <laughs> so, oh, well, it's been there for ages. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that around. And there's there's certain protections. But I think um, for the Japanese, I mean, you look at like, there, there was a river flowing through Shibuya at one point and they just mm-hmm. went nah let's just put a department store over the top of it and so this kind of like river has been kind of coursed underground it's now like half a sewer half a river it's uh it's it, it it's it's very unlovable looking but it's just it's just it's just a thing you see in a, like a side street it's very very weird very strange but, but that that happens all around uh, japan they just tear stuff down they don't give a toss mm. about uh, what's replacing it and uh and and, and something the soul of the of the city uh, you lose it a little bit i think it's the only thing well, the only thing that makes up for it is the scenery itself is very very stunning the rice fields the mountains the rivers mm. like japan is a very beautiful scenic country and that makes up for it honestly that does make yeah. up for it but i travel so much around this country and so many of the towns just look the same there's no real sense <laughs> of identity to them all they've all got the same aeon shopping mall they've all got hundreds of mm. convenience stores there's not as much mm. unique identity unfortunately um and yeah. go back to what you just said like about shibuya Shins. and the river that that a lot of that happened like, apparently tokyo was like the venice of asia it was seen as like this venice mm. of asia at one point but then in the 1960s in the run-up to the 1964 olympics they completely concreted over like the entire city and got rid of all these little rivers and canals and just concreted mm. over and you can still see mm. little, little kind of streams where they used to be flowing down the mm. back alleys of places like shibuya but uh yeah it's unfortunate they completely got rid of it <laughs> because they needed to sort of build this infrastructure really quickly and they didn't mm. care about preserving history. They just wanted to roll out the highway as quick as they could. So it's a shame, really. In an alternate universe, there's a Tokyo that is still the a, the Venice of they Asia. Have a punt down it. You never see sort of any vessels going yeah. down those little rivers because I guess the, there's not enough water in there anymore. But very strange. <laughs> Next time you come over, you can make it happen. Pete's punting tours <laughs> down Shibuya, down the sh- streams of Shibuya. Uh, <laughs> Keep the stories, questions, comments coming in to Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back to do it all over again on Wednesday. But for now, guys, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, have a good week. Enjoy the first few days of the week, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Have a good one. I'm off to buy a jet ski. Cool, sure. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.